Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. But uh, it is great to, uh, great to be here today with you, uh, great to come and share with you. It's great to, uh, I get the privilege of actually going around to our different uh, gateway campuses and seeing what God is doing. And uh, I was reflecting a little bit on you guys and praying for you guys during the week and, and it struck me, you know, we, we get to hear some of the great things that are happening, we get to hear some of the great stories of people coming through the doors, but 12 months ago this didn't even exist. Isn't God good? Isn't it amazing what God has done in 12 months, less than 12 months, in this, in this city of Redlands? God is good and God cares for his people and God works through his people. You know, I do look after what we call our gateway care ministries and uh, this morning, you don't want to get too boring, you don't want to get too down into details, but uh, as, as a new congregation, as a place where we actually don't have gateway care operating yet, I just wanted to go through some of what we're doing and why we do that. And, and then we're going to look at, uh, at uh, continuing our salvation series and we're going to look about how those of us that have been saved... There's a responsibility that comes with that to go and help others to get saved. And that works perfectly in with why we do Gateway Care. Because we know that there is a hurting community out there. We know there is brokenness out there in our communities. We know there's families breaking up. There's dysfunction in our communities. It impacts us. It impacts our families. It impacts our neighbours. It impacts the streets around us. You know what? That matters to God. And because it matters to God, it should matter to God's people. And because it matters to God's people, Gateway, as we look at what we do, we say this is DNA for us. We have to care for our communities. Yes, we have to run great Sunday services. We have to run great kids and youth ministries. We have to be looking beyond ourselves, going around the world. But we have to be serving and loving our local communities. And that is why, as a church, we say Gateway Care has to be in every campus. It's part of who we are. It's not a Gateway Church if we're not caring for our community. And so we've got a great legacy of Gateway Care uh, that's been operating out of our Mackenzie campus. You go back a few years ago, Gateway was Mackenzie campus. And over the years, a number of different expressions of care have been developed there. And, and they're there because we want people to find hope and healing. And not just hope and healing, we want them to find hope and healing in Jesus. We want to find, help them to find transformation in body, mind and in spirit. And so uh, we've established some ministries like our op shop. Our op shop, I'm not saying that's a really practical place, but do you know a thousand people from our community walk through the doors of the op shop every month? And they don't just come in there and find affordable clothing and household goods, they find a place where they are welcome. They, they discover people who love Jesus. They discover grace. They discover hope. They discover people that will sit down to them and meet them where they're at in life. Journey. It also creates for us a space where we've got a, a sorting shed out the back and donations come in. And sometimes I'm sure our volunteers go, Thank you so much for these donations. I wish they would just go away because we get a mountain of stuff in and it's a blessing. But it creates a space where we can bring together a bunch of volunteers, both from our church and our community. And they can find community there. They can find love. They can find acceptance. They can get some work experience and they can develop some confidence as they step forward. And we see that through things like our op shop. Our op shop also generates some money for us that helps us to do a bunch of other ministries around the place. Also operating out of that care centre at McKenzie is what we call 
call our on-track program. Now, people in our community need food and they need household resources, but we believe they actually need more than that. They need people who are going to care for them, who are going to do the journey with them. So we've developed our on-track program. And so for three months initially, if people want to go on that journey, we say, come along, come and be part of our on-track program. And we have uh, some wonderful volunteers from our church who invest their times there on Wednesdays and Thursdays at the moment. And they'll sit down and they'll meet people where they're at and they'll do the journey of life. And, you know, some of these journeys are really hard. Some of them are really frustrating. There's a lot of brokenness in our world. But as God's representatives, our people get to do the journey. There's no judgment. There's no uh, rejection. It's actually come. Come along on the journey. And I get to pray with them. And they get to have faith conversations with them. Coming out of that, we, uh, a couple of years ago, we, uh, we decided we wanted to do something more. Something went a little bit longer than that. And so uh, we, we invested in and we've developed a coach program. Now, coach stands for... Uh, creating opportunities and casting hope. And it's effectively a community mentoring program. It's, it's a friend with a purpose. So we train up people from our church. Uh, we train them around boundaries. We train them around self-care. We train them around how to walk alongside people. And they, they sign up to walk alongside a family from our community who's got some level of dysfunction in it, and they walk alongside them. They meet with them maybe once a week for an hour, and they just say, how are you going with this? They set some really achievable goals with them, and it might be, I have trouble getting my kids to go to school. The kids got no interest in school. Well, let's work on some strategies to help them with that. That is our coach program, and uh, we are seeing not only do we get to help people to step out of their current situations and take steps forward, we're actually also able to share Jesus with them. And we've seen some wonderful stories of people being saved. We've seen some wonderful stories of people being baptised through our coach program. We also recognise in our community that uh, there is a significant amount of relational breakdown and mental health challenges. And so that's why we have a counselling and wholeness centre. And about seven years ago at McKenzie, we launched the Gateway Counselling and Wholeness Centre. Every month we see about 200 people come through the doors of our counselling centre, coming and getting the professional support, the help that they need, someone who can actually help them to get from here to here. Sometimes people don't know how to do that, and so something like counselling, whether it's out through our psychologists, our counsellors, or our professionals that are in that centre, we actually walk forward with people. So our counselling centre is a great ministry. Some of you may be aware that uh, for almost 10 years uh, down at Woodridge, we've been investing into the lives of refugees and migrants. We recognise as people come across the seas that there are challenges as they try to integrate into Australia. Language might be a challenge, so we do things like English lessons, homework club, the kids from these families or as they're trying to get their university studies done. Our volunteers from Gateway can sit there and to, can do the journey with people and help them to take the steps forward. Really exciting that uh, that CareWorks ministry just in the last couple of weeks has actually moved into our Logan campus. And so Logan has an expression of Gateway Care operating in the Logan campus already. Earlier last year, we launched our Gateway Care Centre down at our Ormo campus. Uh, and down there, we have an expression of a counselling centre and an op shop. And it's really exciting. And Jason's been talking about this. We are going to be bringing Gateway Care to Redlands in the not-too-distant future. Upstairs, we've got a couple of rooms that we can use for counselling rooms and, and we're putting together a fantastic team of psychologists and counsellors who are going to come and are going to serve this community here. Isn't that a good thing? Hey? Because people are broken. People need hope and healing. People need transformation in body, 
in mind and in spirit. And uh, as a church, when we can, uh, we can actually try to fill the gap there, when we can help them to bridge that gap, we can help people to have transformed lives. And a little bit later this year, uh, that coach program I was talking about, we, we want to come and do some training down here, give you the opportunity to come and participate in some training. If nothing else, it will help you to, uh, to do the journey with, with maybe someone you live, work and laugh with through some of the challenges that they're going through. Hope and healing in Jesus is why we exist. Hope and healing in Jesus is why we have so many volunteers investing. Hope and healing in Jesus is why we're going to bring Gateway Care into this community because this community matters to Jesus and it should matter to us as his followers. You know, I haven't always been uh, the Gateway Care Pastor. I've been in this role for almost six years and my, my journey into uh, full-time vocational ministry, I've got to say, I put up lots of excuses to God. I told him there was lots of reasons why I couldn't do that, why I didn't want to do that, why I wasn't going to do that. You know, I grew up, uh, my parents are both pastors in another denomination and I saw the, the challenges that came with uh, full-time vocational ministry and I saw the challenges that put on me as a child, as, a, as one of their kids, and I went, I'm not doing that to my kids, I'm not going to do that. And so I had plenty of excuses, but, uh, and I thought, you know what, I'll serve in the church, I'll do lots in the church, I'm going to do this, and this is my boundaries, this is what I'm prepared to do, so God, that's going to have to work for you. God had other ideas, but he usually does, doesn't he? But I resisted it for a long time, and uh, I, I guess I took a step forward where I said, I'm going to invest, I'm going to work in my local church. Uh, and, and I went and got a, got a job out in the corporate world. And that was a great job. And, and I loved what I was doing there. You earn good money in the corporate world. There's plenty of opportunity. But I knew that there was something missing. And this won't be for everyone. But for me, I, I said, I'm, I sat there one day and I went, I'm actually helping make money for shareholders. I'm actually not doing anything that I feel is what I'm called to in the kingdom. Now, there's no judgment on that for anyone there. That was my journey, but I had to respond to that. God put that on my heart. And, and, and in that moment, I went, that's pretty hard to argue with, God. I don't know where I'm going to go with that. So I, I, I took a step, which, which maybe I was actually taking a sideways step, but I said, okay, God, I'll go and work uh, for a, a not-for-profit organisation, a, a Christian organisation, and I'll go and do some fundraising for them, and uh, that's my step into full-time vocational ministry. So there we go, God, are you happy with that? And you know what? God, in His grace, He was happy with that for a season. You know, and I spent 10 years there, and I, I got to help raise money, which enabled uh, that organisation to care for the broken in the community, to help people through addictions, to help people who are hungry, to help people who are going through all sorts of crises. And it was a great job and I got to, to, to raise lots of money and we got to see lots of lives transformed. Uh, and during that time, actually as a family, we, we moved to Gateway. And I'd been very involved in my previous church, but in moving to Gateway, uh, I didn't realise it at the time, but looking back, I realised how much my identity was in me, it wasn't in Jesus, but also my identity was so closely tied to the previous church I went to. And so when I changed churches, part of what I said to God was, okay God, that's it. I've got nothing left, I've done my ministry because I'm not known here, no one knows my name, no one knows my reputation, no one knows what I've done, I go and I become a pew sitter at Gateway. And, and I thought that was great because part of my justification for that was the fact we were, we were moving because I wanted to put my kids in a church that, that I thought was going to do the long-term journey for them so that they weren't going to be leaving that church to go to another church or leaving the church altogether. So I could justify it. I, I gave that excuse to God. I don't need to do ministry in this church, God, because 
because, you know, my space is now to be a good dad and uh, to, to bless my kids. Well, God has been uh, really faithful to me in that and my kids uh, continue to be a gateway. We've been a gateway almost nine years. Uh, all my kids have been blessed by great kids and youth programs, by our young adults ministry. They found places to serve. But I'm standing here today, so obviously God did something else. He wanted something else. He wanted me to give totally. He wanted me to stop my excuses. And so I came up with heaps of excuses. I said, God, care? I'm not great at caring for people. Retail? I don't know. I hate shopping. Counseling? I couldn't think of anything worse than sitting across from someone for eight hours a day. I, God bless counselors who can do that, hey? I don't, I, giving food to people? Look, I get why, but that, I, I just, I'm just not that compassionate. God, you got the right person here. You see, the problem was I was looking at what I had and I wasn't looking at what God was going to bring into it. And when God calls people, he equips people. It's not about what we bring with us. It's about our position and our acceptance of God and saying, yes, I can't see how this is going to work, but I'm available. You know, here today, we're all different people. I'm sure you're at all different points in the faith journey. No, no two people's faith journey is exactly the same. You know, some of you, you, you've chosen to follow Jesus, you've been saved, but you're actually, at the moment, you're really not doing anything at present to help others be saved. You know, you're, you're holding on to your faith and you, you might be a bit scared, you might think, oh, I don't know what to say, I, I, I might be embarrassed if I had to go and share my faith. And so, at the moment, you've, choos- you've chosen to say, I worship you, God, but please don't ask me to do anything else. You know, some uh, here today, you, you might not even have made a decision to follow Jesus yet. And that's really cool. We'd love to, to have you here today. And uh, a little bit later today, we'll give you an opportunity to say, look, today might be your day to stop making excuses in regards to why you're not following Jesus. And today you might uh, choose to do so. You know, some are following Jesus and are actively leading others to him. Some are, are making and taking courageous, you know, first steps such as, you know, Brenton getting up on the screen and doing his video selfie. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've, you've jumped out of your comfort zone and go, okay, Gateway's challenged me to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and you're not sure how it's going to go. You're not, you're not sure, you know, what your friends are going to think. You're jumping right outside of your comfort zone. But good on you for taking those first steps. You know, to be honest, some, you will be feeling tired some feeling like you don't have the words to say. You know, if, if I did speak up for Jesus, no one would listen anyway. You might think your story's not good enough. You might think it's not strong enough. Reality is we all have reasons and we have excuses that are holding us back. You know, and those excuses and reasons, they're valid. They actually are valid. We, we've got to acknowledge that. But it's not a reason to not do it anyway. You know far better than me where you are. You know, it, it's so easy, let's be honest, it's, it's natural to think we're inadequate, particularly when it comes to matters of the faith. It, it, we think we don't know enough. We, uh, we think, well, people won't take me seriously. You know, they know my past. They know what I used to be like. They're not going to take me seriously if I turn up and say, hey, Jesus has changed my life. You might say, I'm no good with words. I couldn't string a few sentences together. You know, there's lots of reasons why we don't, don't uh, feel we're equipped to do it. But also, some just say, I'm just not willing to. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. God, I've got lots of excuses, but at the end of the day, God, no. I, I'm not going to do that. You know, these excuses can and they do hold us back. 
You know, one of the reasons they hold us back is because when we look at our lives, when we look at our own capacities, our own skills, what we have, we recognise that these excuses are true when all we have and all we focus on is ourselves. When we try to do things in our own strength and in our own ways. I brought along uh, something today that actually drives me crazy. I don't know, how's your reaction to that? I I live in an area at the moment where there's a lot of construction, a lot of roadworks. They seem to open a road for a minute and then close it for five minutes. There's people who just seem to uh, enjoy standing around. And they interrupt my day. And I really get frustrated and I react to this and I think... You don't get my priorities. You don't get where I'm trying to head. You don't get what's going on in my life. Yeah, sure, no no worries. That truck is way more important than I am today. He's paid to do that and I'm paid to do something, but don't worry about him. Let him go. It's all good. You ready now? And then they turn it around and it's not even go, it's slow. (laughs) Okay, so you've held me up and now I've got to go slow and I've actually got to drive, drive over the bitumen that's wet so that's all spitting up on my car and there's rocks flying everywhere. And when I come back this afternoon, the road's going to be different again. My street at the moment, because they've ripped, they've ripped up the end of it to put in water pipeline, we can't even drive out of our street. We've got to you know, take a five-minute detour just to get out of our street on the main road that is literally 100 metres away. This sign drives me crazy because it gets in the way of what I want, gets in the way of where I want to go, and it becomes an excuse that works against me always seems to be something that gets in the way of where we want to go and how we want to get there. You know, uh, we are, as a church, working, to walk, working on this series of salvation this year. Salvation is our theme as a church this year. We know that God calls his people to be saved. God's story is all about salvation, and God wants people everywhere to be saved. And so, uh, as a church, particularly at this uh, front end of the year, over nine weeks, where we've been looking at, uh, at the story of Moses and, and the Hebrews who were held in, uh, in captivity in, in Egypt, and uh, we're seeing some of what God has done for people. We, we've, we've seen over the last few weeks that Moses, he was born as a Hebrew. He was born you know, in slavery. He was born at a time where the Pharaoh actually recognised that with two million Hebrews in, in his nation, these guys were a threat. And so he, he actually ordered genocide uh, across the Hebrew people. He said, every baby boy that is born is to be killed and thrown into the Nile. That was the environment that, uh, that Moses uh, was born into. But uh, miraculously and through God's grace, he, he was saved, and he actually got to grow, grow up in, in Pharaoh's palace. He was educated there, he was trained there, he was given all sorts of privilege there, but he did know who his people were. But at the age of approximately 40, so he'd been there quite a long time, at the age of 40, uh, he saw this Egyptian actually assaulting one of, uh, one of the Hebrew people, and he decided to do something about it, and he actually killed the Egyptian. He thought he got away with it, but Pharaoh discovered it. And so uh, Moses actually had to flee, had to leave the country, had to go into exile and knew that uh, if he ever came back, he was going to die. He, he found, uh, found some new people to live with, he found a wife, he found a new job, he, he became a shepherd. Now someone that grew up with all the opportunity that came in being in a royal palace is now sitting there looking after sheep. This is one of the lowest of the low roles that you could possibly have. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe Moses enjoyed just the peace and quiet out in the wilderness, but this was not the life that he had been raised for. This was not what God had in plan for him. You know, one day he's out with his sheep and he sees a bush on fire. But miraculously, this bush, whilst it's on fire, was actually not being consumed by the fire. And, and, and Moses goes and he ends up encountering God in that burning bush. God knows him and calls him by name. You know, God says, Moses, Moses, bush is on fire and you've just called my name. Something's going on here. And he sets him the task of saving his people. And here we discover the exchange between a man who is called to save his people and God who will rescue his people. So a man who is given the opportunity to save his people and a God who is going to rescue his people. If God decides he's going to do something, it's going to happen. He's going to rescue his people. And we start to hear from Moses all the reasons why God shouldn't choose him. So would you turn with me to uh, Exodus 3, uh, verse 11. It'll be on the screens, but also if you've got your Bibles there, you might want to follow along. I, I, I find this really intriguing, that the dialogue here. Moses says, God says. Moses said, God says. And we're going to track a little bit through that for the next little while. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I to go? I'm not adequate for the task. You've got the wrong guy. Do you not see I'm a shepherd? I'm good at looking after sheep. I've had to run away. I'm in exile. I'm not welcome back there. Who am I that you would call me to go? And God said, well, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, God often brings promises with what he says, but if you actually think about that promise, that promise involves Moses being obedient, going back and convincing the, the uh, Hebrew people. He then has to convince Pharaoh. They then have to mobilize 2,000 people, come out into the desert, walk for a bunch of time, come to this mountain, and then you'll see the sign. We want the sign now, don't we? When God calls us, we want to see it now. We want to see him in action now. And then we go, well, God, if you do this, I'll come out with you. Well, God didn't quite work that way for Moses. So we can see why he was struggling with it. He's going, oh, I've just not got the, uh, I'm just insignificant, God. But God says, I'll be with you. I'm the important one here. So then verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses is saying, oh, I don't know enough. I don't even know your name. I don't have the knowledge that I'd need to go and do this. I don't know, you know, you, you don't get it. I didn't go to Bible college. I, did, I didn't learn this stuff. I grew up in, in the, uh, the Egyptian temples. I don't know who you are. I don't know what to do. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation so go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he appeared to me and said, I've watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt 
And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. See, Moses says, I don't know enough. What do I tell them? I don't have the knowledge. I'm ignorant. And God says, I'll tell you what to say. So then in in chapter 4, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me and, and listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to him? People won't take me seriously. What if they don't believe me? You know, they, they know. Some of them will remember that I was this guy who killed an, an Egyptian and, and I fled and I ran away. People aren't going to take me seriously, God. They're not going to believe me. And then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. It's like every good shepherd would have had. He had a staff in his hand. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. You see, that, that shepherd's staff that he had in his hand, he would have actually used that to, uh, to kill serpents, to kill snakes from time to time. It was a weapon to help protect the flock. But here it becomes a snake, and so he's scared of it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God answers his question. God says, people, maybe they won't take you seriously, but they're going to take me seriously. Look at what I can do. God then also tells him two other miracles. The one about turning his hand into leprosy and back. We sometimes skip over that because we don't understand the scourge of leprosy. If you, if you pulled your hand out of your jacket with leprosy, there is no cure. That would be the end of it. But God, in his majesty, God in his grace, God in his power, God in his authority, he just heals him and says, go, I will send my miracles with you you have me with you, what else do you need? And then Moses said to the Lord, he's, he's, not, he's still got these excuses coming, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. He says, I'm no good with words. I have inadequate communication capacity. I have no ability to string a sentence together. God, if you want me to go and speak to the leaders, you want me to go and speak to Pharaoh, you're calling the wrong guide. Can you not see this? And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Go, I will help you and speak and, you, and will teach you what to say. So Moses goes, oh, but I'm, I'm no good with words. I can't communicate. I'm incompetent. And God says, I gave you the ability to speak and I will go with you. I will give you the words to say. And Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. See, I think we get to the crux of it here. Moses has tried to make a bunch of excuses. He's tried to negotiate with God as to that what he doesn't have. And we get to the point where he says, please send someone else. He says, I'm not willing. Choose someone else. Why can't you find someone else? I'm not available for this task. Lots of excuses. And we get to the point where he goes, I don't want to do it. 
The Lord, who has been very generous to this point, then we hear, the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. See, Moses felt he was unavailable. Maybe he felt irrelevant. God, God knew that Moses could actually do this. God doesn't make plans that need modification. God's plan was for Moses to go, to speak to Pharaoh. And God was going to equip him. But God in his grace, God in his mercy... He was even prepared to negotiate. And he said, okay, you don't need him, but if it's going to help you, I'll send Aaron along with you as well. I think sometimes we miss that. And sometimes, you know, it becomes a bit of a fallback for us. We go, God, I don't want to do it. Will you send someone else? And God might change some things, but we actually miss out. I reckon Moses missed out on something because he didn't go when God called him to go. And he didn't go on his own the way God planned for it to happen because God had a fantastic plan for Moses to do that. Moses got changed the plan and got accommodated. What do we miss out on though when we go, I'm not willing? You know, these five excuses, uh, they actually focus on our weaknesses. You know, each time God has an answer and the focus actually shifts back to God, doesn't it? We, we shift it to God. We shift it to what God can do and what he will do. You know, Satan may attempt to convince us that our shortcomings actually render us useless to God and render us useless to his church. That's part of the game he plays. He wants to fill us with those feelings of inadequacy. I don't have the words, I'm incompetent. I don't have all that, you, that I need. That's Satan's game. He wants you to be in doubt. But Christ's choice of his apostles, those first 12 that he called out, testifies to the fact that God can use the unworthy, he can use the unqualified, he can use nobodies. He didn't go into, into Israel at the time and call out the leaders in the temple, he didn't go out and, and call political leaders, he went and called fishermen and tax collectors and people on the margins of society. They were the people that he called to follow him and those people that followed him, they turned the world upside down. They changed the world. We're in church today because those 12 had the courage to follow Jesus all those years ago. They weren't leaders. They had every excuse under the sun. They knew how to fish. Even then, you know, Jesus showed them how to fish, but he said, throw your nets over the other side. Why was that? Because God worked in them to do it. It wasn't because they had capacity. It wasn't because they had ability. It wasn't because they had the best words under the sun. It was because God worked in them to do it. You know, Jesus, in his time here on earth, he talks so much about the kingdom of God. He wants his followers. He wants those who have already been saved to help bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. We're called to bring the kingdom of God here to earth. When we obey him, when we follow him, when we speak up, when we share our faith, when we care for others, we care for our communities, when we invite others to discover who Jesus is, we're bringing the kingdom of God into a dark, hurting, broken, hopeless and lonely places in this world. That is what it's like to bring the kingdom. That is why we get invited to be part of it because we get to be salt and light. We get to bring the kingdom into people's lives where there's no light, where there's just darkness at the moment. That is what God calls his people to do. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to do something. You're called to stop making excuses. You're called to stop making excuses and be available for kingdom uses. 
See, it's not about the stop sign that God wants us to, to run into to say, hey, you want to have fun, you want to do it your way, I'm going to stop you. God doesn't want that to be the case. God wants us to just stop making excuses. We've got to stop making excuses, whether it is that you've got a legitimate reason. God says, I know, but I still want you to go. I've called you to this. Don't tell me that I don't know, because I do. I'm God. I created you. I know how you tick. I know how you work. I know how this is going to work. So you don't need to tell me why it's not, because I'm God. So we've got to stop making excuses. The challenge is we then got to do something else. See, it became green, it's go. We've got to stop making excuses and be available for kingdom uses. See, if you've discovered Jesus, if he has transformed your life, you can't just hold on to it. Imagine if those first disciples had just held on to it. Where would the church be? Now, the reality is if we want a theologically unpacked God, God would have got someone else. So don't go too far down that path. But the reality is it needed someone to say yes. It needed people of faith to go, you know what? I'm not going to just hold on to this for myself. I'm actually going to go and do something with it. You know, God chose the humble, the lowly, the meek and the weak. One of the reasons he chooses people like that is there's never any question about where the source of power comes from. When their lives change, the world Where does the source of power come from? It doesn't come from Tim. It comes from God in me. It's not the person. It's the truth of God and the power of God in the person. You know, we we talk a lot in the church about the Great Commission. We talk about how when uh, Jesus' time on earth had finished and and he was ascending, he he gave this Great Commission to people. And, And it's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Often in the church, we actually start in Matthew 19 to 20. We we sort of forget a little bit about 18. And in 18 it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority on heaven and earth, all power, all the power for miracles, all the power to put the words in your mouth you need, all the power to bring you courage to change your life has been given to me. So we skip over that verse sometimes and we actually, it becomes about us instead. You know, the next sentence though, it starts with a therefore. If a sentence starts with therefore, you've actually got to go back to the sentence before to actually work out what the before, therefore, was. And it says, it has to go together. So let's go back and read it all together. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. All authority in heaven and earth given to Jesus. Therefore, go. So you don't go on your own. You go with him. You go guided by him. You're not on your own. You're never on your own. So when you think you're making your video selfie and you're on your own, you're not. Jesus is with you. When you're talking to your neighbour in the street, Jesus is with you. When you don't know what to say, Jesus is with you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He doesn't make teachers out of people that can't teach and he knows you can't all teach, but he gives you the power. He gives you the authority. He gives you the words if you step into it. And he says, and surely I am. Remember before when Moses said, who are you? He said, I am who I am. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We go with Jesus. We're called to go. And I am is with us. He never sends us out on our own. He goes with us and he uses us according to his purposes and we get the blessing to see what happens. How great is it when we see someone's life transformed because we've had the opportunity to share Jesus with them. You might be thinking today, okay, 
I don't know what this looks like, Tim. What, you know, what are the, what's the, the kingdom uses that, uh, that I'm called to do? You know, we're called to make a kingdom of difference. We're called to kingdom uses. But we've got to do this with Jesus. He gives us his power and authority to go out. But uh, what might it be? Well, it could be to share your story of faith. I think we've got a few of these going to come up on the screen for you. It might be to find your place to serve here in your church. It might be to get involved with Gateway Care as we start here and, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those in this community. It might be to invite someone you live, work and laugh with to, to Alpha or to come along to church with you or, or come to your life group. You know, you, you know what to do. You know what to invite people to. You know your friends. You know your relatives far better than I do. But just, think, you know, just be thinking, okay, God, what is it? What's the kingdom use you've got me for? Because what we can't do is keep turning this back around and go, I'm just going to keep making excuses. Because as a follower of Jesus, God's told me that's not what I can do. I'm not supposed to just hold on to my faith. So I've got to stop making excuses. So I've got to look for what's the outcome? What, how do I turn this around? So what is the kingdom use that I am called to? Now, don't try to do that in your own mind. We've been talking about how we do this with God. You listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. And you take a stance of, I'm available. I'm available for kingdom uses. You know what? He will call you. He will lead you. He will guide you. And he will be with you as you go. You're never going to do it on your own. Just imagine with me for a moment what it would look like if the church, if God's people of faith who have been saved actually stopped making excuses. If the whole church, and I'm not just talking about our, this campus here, I'm talking about the whole church, everyone who would call themselves a follower of Jesus. What if they stopped making excuses and said, I'm available for kingdom uses. I am available, God. I've got to stop, stop putting it off. I've got to stop focusing what I don't have. If I've got to stop looking at what my skills are, what my experience are, what my words are, what my inadequacy is. And instead, we relied on God to be with us. If we had God as our provider of all that we need, all we need to, to follow Him and to serve Him and to respond to this call, we've got to stop focusing on us, what we don't have. And we need to focus on Him and all that He has and all that He makes available for us when we put our faith, our hope and our trust in Him. See, Moses kept looking at his past. He kept looking at his skills, his experience. And all he could see when he looked back was a man who was inadequate. So he kept making excuses. But God was there. God met him. And God was offering him all that he would need for the task to which he was being called. And all that he would ever need. And finally, even though reluctantly, Moses made himself available for kingdom uses and his people were saved and eventually they were restored into the promised land. So you don't know what difference you might make in someone's life. You don't know what someone is missing out on because you're not taking the step to be available for kingdom uses and to go and share with them the life-changing message of Jesus. Wouldn't it be awful if no one took that opportunity to share that with you? And isn't it awful if we don't take that opportunity to go and share it with others? You know, we live in a nation that needs to hear the life-transforming message of Jesus, more and more so. 
And we are called by God to do something about this. So what is your part to play? And maybe you need to identify today, what is it that's holding you back? What is your stop sign? What are your excuses? You know, in Romans 10, 14 to 17, Paul describes a little bit about the responsibility of responding to the call. When he says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? They haven't heard on him if they can't, they haven't believed in him. And how can they, you believe in the one of whom you've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's not the preachers. That's all of us. We all get to, to play in that game. We all get to be part of that. We all get to be the beautiful feet who bring good news to the people we live, work and laugh with. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So if you have been saved, if you've heard the message of Jesus and accepted it, God wants you to share it. So the question I've got for you today is are you available for kingdom uses? Are you available for kingdom uses? At the front end, we talked a little bit about taking some first steps. Take some first steps if that's what you need to do. Take some big steps if that's what you need to do. But no, you're not going out on your own. You go with God. God has called you. And don't go and try to do something that God's not calling you to either and go, oh, I see, it didn't work. You've got to follow God. But when we listen to God and we stop making excuses and we're available for kingdom uses, God will use you powerfully. God will use you mightily. Now, some of you today might be, uh, you might be here, someone might be here, uh, and you, you say, well, at the moment, I actually don't even know that uh, Jesus is my saviour. I don't even know that I've been saved. And uh, it would really be remiss of us not to give you that opportunity today. We, it, it, we're, we're calling you to go out. We're calling you to stop making excuses and be available for kingdom uses. Well, to do that, we've got to give you the opportunity to say, today is my day. Today is the day where I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't, I don't know exactly where it's going to go. But the God I've heard about here today, he's, he's going to go with me. So we've got a prayer that's going to come up on the, uh, the screen behind me. And if today is your day to make a decision for the first time to follow Jesus, to say, God, I trust you. Jesus died for me. I'd love to lead you through that prayer. It may be your heart's pumping. It may be you're just, you know, you're feeling a little bit of doubt. Sometimes you're a gateway. We ask you to close your eyes. On a day like today, we're going to say, stop making excuses. I'm just going to say, let's keep our eyes open. And you know what? As you, if you put your hand up today, people are going to cheer you on. People are going to support you. People are going to encourage you because that's what it's about. We want to see people set free. We want to see people's lives changed. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.